Hello and welcome to the newest episode of the FOMOcast. I'm back with Tim. Say hello, Tim. Hello, Tim. Two weeks in a row we're doing this. Uh, we got a lot of stuff to go over, a lot of cool stuff in gaming for once. Well, one thing's not cool, but some other cool announcements in gaming, TV. With Tim, watch some shows. I watch some shows. Uh, make sure you go to all of our social media platforms, facebook.com slash FOMOcast, Twitter, FOMO underscore cast, and FOMO podcast on Instagram. Um First, we're going to start um, with, I actually, see, Tim's got me all doing all this agenda stuff, so it makes me feel all fancy, like we actually have something to do. So, um, so after we recorded, like, the next morning, I see an article, and it says, PS5 uh, clarification that the Spider-Man Miles Morales is not a standalone, is not a standalone game, but a an add-on to the current Spider-Man franchise. And everyone was like, that's weird. Why would they have an add-on or bring an old game onto a new system? Why wouldn't they just make a new game? So I was like, great. I'm going to have to share something saying this. We're idiots. It was wrong. But everyone felt the same way. And then before I could even do anything, a couple hours later, I look and they go, no, 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 no. The company who makes the games, like, no, it's a standalone game, but it's just not, there's no connection to the other game. And I'm like, Okay, that makes more sense. But I'm still waiting for that foot to drop because I really want to play the game. It looks amazing. Like I said before, Miles Morales is my favorite favorite character. Um, now, how do you feel about the, the whole situation with it? Because it feels like PS5, I don't know why they're trying to push so hard because Microsoft, they've released their images of theirs months ago. They've had theirs out for months. And it feels like they're trying to force stuff out as fast as they can to try and be like, we're the best, we're the best. And they're making all these mistakes. And I just can't figure out, you know, I mean, how are you feeling about this new one? Uh, as far as the PS5 or the Spider-Man? Uh, both in general, because it feels like the PS5, you know, we're going to talk about some stuff later that they're doing good. But it feels like they're making a bunch of missteps right now. Oh, yeah. Well, I think it's exactly like you said, where Microsoft came out and said, hey, here's here's our stuff. Um, you know, take it or leave it. More. For the PS5, I think it was a, oh man, they kind of beat us to the punch as far as, you know, the the releasing everything. So now they got to go back and not necessarily go back, but come out and, uh, you know, I don't think they really gave it a second thought. Just put it out, put it out, put it out. If something comes out wrong or we get any backlash, um, you know, well, you know, kind of what's the old saying, you know, do it and then beg forgiveness later. Kind of yes. do it. Kind of, yes. kind of doing it that way just to say, uh, you know, because everyone's question is going to be, well, Xbox has it. Where's PS5 at? They're saying that it's, you know, getting released or whatnot's going on with it where you can't trying to compare it. So right. I could def definitely see on that war. Now it's just trying to pump out the content. Uh, and who knows, maybe. You know, they had a timeline to do it in, and with everything that's going on in the world right now, uh, you know, maybe that kind of sped up their timeline and not necessarily didn't go through the proper channels, but, um, you know, didn't really have a, maybe a second set of eyes to look at it. And it's just like, hey, looks good. Get it out. Just just get it out. And if there's any confusion, we'll clear it up later. Um, like well, you're saying with, with, with the Spider-Man, because... When I was looking at this and, and you sent the uh, agenda out, you know, Spider-Man confusion, to be honest, I thought it was as far as 
you know, hey, uh, there, you know, Spider-Man has a darker skin color than what we're used to seeing. I thought maybe it was something with that, um, you know, go go in that aspect of it. But, mm-hmm. you know, it sounds like it was complete, completely different. Uh, you know, I mean, I will, the, I will say he is my favorite Spider-Man for all the reasons I've said before. I do appreciate yeah. his take on the Spider-Man the best. And it could be understandable because um, but the thing is, so Miles Morales, I think, has been in quite a long time. When I got back into comics, like in 2014, I want to say he was already a kind of a a bigger force in it, but I could see how you would see that as a possibility of something going on or, you know, people being mad about it. Uh, especially like you said, given how everything's going right now. Yeah, no, exactly. But it's interesting how, you know, with the, with the, with the go back to the Spider-Man confusion, um, you know, but like you were saying, I think PS five or not PS five, Sony put it out there and Hey, you know what? Just just get it out. We need a game to release with this system. That's going to be our show off piece. Well, this is it, and it's perfect because it's not your you know your normal Spider Man on there. It's the Miles Morales. Um, so you have that take on the Spider Man game or franchise, uh, and then and now you have this confusion on it as far as is this an add on. Is it a standalone? And if you get one website that maybe just posed the question, hey, what do you guys think? Is this going to be an add-on or standalone? And it just caught fire and took off. And then you get everyone trying to get those clickbait titles on it. Um, and then, you know, you have Sony coming out saying, hey, well, maybe I thought we explained it, but you didn't take it in the way that we explained it. Or who, who knows with that? Especially this day and age with the internet and you could google anything it's like oh that is like and you have two sides to it and i mean they probably make both make valid points right and and i could see i could see the appeal to an an add-on for the spider-man game because you could basically have it be where look we have an add-on and now you can buy the game we already made as a new game so it's it's almost like you're you're creating new content like a little bit like they do with most games. But what I was kind of disappointed with, we'll just go right into the other game that we just you just watched the trailer for because uh, for me personally, the Star Wars Squadron is the newest game in the series, and literally I remember playing um, Star Wars X Wing on the PC. I think it was. And that was my dream was to be an X-Wing pilot. I always dreamed of it. I always dreamed of it. Tim just watched the the video for it where they had the VR. It's fully VR capable. They just released some of the gameplay footage. It looks fancy. They released, and basically what I loved about it was it's Call of Duty with ships. It's basically what it is. They say there's a single-player mode. I, this is built for multiplayer. You have your classes for both sides, whether you're Empire or Rebel. Um, they tell you about literally. You have the regular fighter. You have the um, the quick stealth one. You have the medic, basically, and then you have the heavy hitter, the bombers. So um, I had never seen a Ewing before, so I was happy I saw the Ewing in the game. But when you look at everything that they did, they legitimately had so much for a game that no one even knew about. Like people knew about it. It was called Codename Maverick, I believe it was. And 
like why can't PS5 do that with the games for PS5? You know, like I did say that. Um, so basically, so Guerrilla Games. So we'll talk about this in a minute more deeply. But Guerrilla Games, which they make um, Horizon uh, Horizon Dawn. Now they're doing one. It's a Horizon Forbidden West, same character, but they have it a release date for 2021 for PS5, and they have a list of all the games you should play in preparation for the games that are coming to PS5. And I feel like they're just they could have waited. They could have waited a little bit and done so amazing because the Squadron video, literally, I could hear Tim just like, oh wow, oh wow, because you could you can you could you could feel the game. It just it looks amazing. And I'm so excited for it. And it takes the bitterness out of them screwing up the Spider-Man, you know, reveal. This one took away that a little bit. I know they'll probably have it for PS5. They're probably upscaling it and do all that kind of stuff like that. But um, since we're on that, how how did you feel about that video for uh, Star Wars Squadron? Well, like you said, I mean, every time something new came up on that trailer, it was, oh, man. oh it's I. And at first, I thought it was going to be just a single-player game, um, and you're doing all these different missions and fighting. Um, but, I mean, it's single-player, it's multiplayer, it's, uh, what do they call it, co-op multiplayer, where you could go to have different, I think, up to five people in a party mm-hmm. and do um, play other multiplayer, so kind of Call of Duty-esque. Uh, and then, like you said, you get the whole VR, you know, completely VR compatible. So I'll be really interested to see what that gameplay footage looks like. Um, but it's interesting on watching the trailer for it that it's not your, for me, your stereotypical first person type shooter game where you're not in the cockpit. And you're looking out the glass. I mean, you're sitting back in the seat and you have your controllers in front of you uh, like they normally do in Star Wars. And each screen on there has something to do with the ship. So it's not like, oh, I got to look at my upper right hand corner to see what, you know, maybe the map is lower left corner to see my damage and life or anything like that. It's all on pretty it's, much it's, the joystick it's staying true it's staying true to what they actually would have happened which that's one reason why i really enjoy it i also really enjoy it because they could have gone they could have gone out there and called it rogue squadron like everybody wants it to be but they call it squadron because some people do side with the empire i'm not gonna you know they have cookies yeah. so you know, it's one of those things where they they did the smart thing and they had it dialed in to the point where it's five on five. Um, the different classes of ship, you can customize the ships. Like mm-hmm. I saw a thing where they're changing the paint scheme, everything, changing yeah. the weapons, doing all kinds of stuff. And it's insane to me, too, because after watching the trailer, I was like super hyped. And like, when's the last time we got a YouTube video of them revealing like, um, not gonna lie, I've started watching Avatar: The Last Airbender on Netflix, and I watched a video of them revealing the last season at New York Comic Con, and it gave you the chills. And I got the same chills seeing this trailer because the X Wing game was very similar. It wasn't as cool. 
Um, they did have a Rogue Squadron one that I had too as well. And X-Wing, it was so like wannabe three-dimensional, you would get lost and all of a sudden you're wandering in space and there was no boundaries. It just it wasn't it wasn't as fun as I wanted it to be. This one feels so immersive. I could see people legitimately building VR things like the NASCAR drivers did just to 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 modify for this and it would be i would i would do it if i had the money i would do it because it's that cool yeah no exactly and like i was saying before the last star wars game that i played was star wars battlefront um and i was excited for that one uh but on on that one it's more so ground combat i mean there are some missions or some um gameplays that you can do where you are flying and to be honest those are the ones that I did. I love the flying on that. I barely did any missions uh, on the ground just because I um, maybe it was just me, but I found it too hard. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a COD type guy, modern warfare, all of that. So you know, the the battle for, I mean the uh, the battlefields were always difficult for me. But that's the game. I didn't play those games um, not necessarily growing up, but on the PlayStation two, three, uh, and now four. Yeah. So I was I really enjoyed this one where it is a hundred percent completely um air play, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um flying where like I said, the, the battlefront was more so more heavily based on the, the ground. So at all like I said, I'm I'm excited for it. Definitely want to see more gameplay footage come out on YouTube uh yeah yeah especially i want to i want to know the basis I, i'm gonna deep dive it after we get off of here to to search some more about what the single player campaign is going to be about because you know um from the cutscenes, it's very cinematic it's very um jedi fallen order-esque because jedi fallen order has similar cutscenes with the reality of it but the one thing i'm looking forward to is that they do bring it to ps5 when we were talking about guerrilla games and the uh, horizon forbidden west um, the reason why I wanted to bring it up was because they're saying that with the SSD card that basically you're going to use for memory, that's what they're doing. Instead of um, having you buy a certain size, you can upgrade, I believe, the memory through the cards. Well, they said because of that card, you will see no load, save, or or any kind of screen like that. It's going to be simultaneous. I remember they promised that with... I can't remember what game it was. It was one of the Assassin Creeds where basically you could start moving around. Like you couldn't go into a building and do stuff, but you could start walking towards your next destination while it loaded, while it saved, you know, things like that. But I think that's going to be a game changer too, because just imagine being able to literally go battle to battle, to battle, to battle, to battle, not have to sit in there and wait, not have to worry about connectivity, all that kind of stuff like that. Like I get, you're going to have issues with the internet, things going bad. But this one right here feels more of like, a, I don't know, they're, they're, they're upgrading the technology at such a rapid rate. I just can't wait to see it on that level. And so, I mean, we have two more things of gaming news. We'll just finish the gaming news early. Um, aside from the Horizon Forbidden West, um, the one game everyone's been excited for is the Cyberpunk 2077. And it got delayed yet again. It was slated, I think they said, I think the anniversary of it getting announced, it got announced like seven or eight years ago. So it got delayed from September 17th to November 19th. Um, for most people, that's not a big deal. But 
Avatar, the, the, the sequel to Avatar was supposed to come out, I think they said last year or the year before, and it's delayed till like 2024. So you, if you keep letting delays like that happen, but the one thing I do like about it is, is most gaming companies just put out a little thing that says, Hey, you know, here's what it is. And what the CEO has been doing is he's been putting out this thing saying, look, we're not going to put out a subpar product to you. So we're going to make sure we wait until it's perfect. And because they didn't use motion capture with Keanu Reeves, I believe Keanu Reeves is going to be in it as one of the characters. It was revealed a long time ago, but I believe they're using a lot of motion capture and live action stuff. They're trying to make sure it's perfect. So cyberpunk 2077, sad to say, it's not going to be out here for a while. I don't know if Tim wanted to play it or not. I don't know if even Tim maybe even heard of it before I talked about it, but, uh, He's saying no, he's shaking no. So aside from that, we'll go into Skate, the new Skate from EA. People have been begging for this this game for so long. And I have a feeling it's because they're doing the remastered of Tony Hawk's Pro Skater. They realize people still want to play it. I remember spending hours on Tony Hawk's Pro Skater in the garage trying to jump into the little upstairs building that had glass so you would jump over the vert ramp and you would jump through and i would spend hours just trying to do the perfect tricks going through that mind you i never skated in real life you know i couldn't do that i'm too uncoordinated i'm too fat i could never do skateboarding like that but it was just it was a fun game so skate skate four i believe is what it is everyone's freaking out they're like oh god there's a new skate game don't know many details about it. We just know that it's coming and be prepared because uh, once that game does uh, come out, uh, you're not going to see people for a long time. I believe Skate's the one, too, that started with that board where you could actually do, like, uh, tricks with the board in real life. Like, the board connected wirelessly or something to the PlayStation. It was pretty cool. But uh, uh, but aside from those games I announced, is there anything that... Uh, um, that you could think of that you're excited for gaming wise that you've seen previews for from PS5? No, not really. Uh, I mean, the really only gaming thing that, <laughs> to be honest, that I've done um, was obviously waiting for you know the the PGA 2K2 2K21, um, and then on PS4 this past week they had the deals of different games, and like I was telling you before, I downloaded uh, Madden 20. Uh, with Pat uh, with uh, Mahomes on the cover for I bought it for seventeen ninety nine so I was pretty pumped about that and I was looking back here the last Madden I bought was sixteen so it's been a while um, uh, I think mine I think mine who was on the cover of sixteen because I think sixteen uh, might be the last one I bought too the last one I bought was had the one where you were the college kid when you went like. Uh, when you did your single player, like you created oh, your yeah. player, the story mode. Oh, this one is uh, is Beckham. No, I did not. Maybe it was eighteen. Is the last one I got. Right, um, Beckham. Yeah, yeah, that's a Beckham. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, because I know they came out with what was it, the twenty fifth anniversary, and that's the one that had Tom Brady on it. Yes, right? and yeah, and then in the new one. That's why I also think I think they, that they may have discounted that one too because they just announced that um, who's on the cover? Uh, Lamar Jackson, I believe, is on the cover of this year's yeah. uh, EA uh, Madden. Yeah. So because yeah. uh, Patrick Mahomes broke the Madden curse, Every, everyone's saying 
because so now, they, now everybody wants to be on the cover, huh? Of of uh of what he did and obviously winning the Super Bowl. Uh, so that's that was like the big the big news, especially once they made the playoffs and made the run through it, and obviously ended up with the uh, Lombardi Trophy. So he was on the uh, the cover of 2020. So apparently he broke the curse, but we'll see. Uh, you know, if Lamar Jackson this upcoming year doesn't do that well. Um, or, I mean, he had a hell of a season last year. So this year, even if he does the same, it's not going to be, uh, you know, it's like, it'll seem like he's digressed. So, but that was uh, the, uh, the, you know, lifting the curse on that, if they're, if you believe in that. So, but yeah, no, so, <laughs> but on, on this Madden, so I fired it up. And it's the same thing, like you were saying, you start out as college, you get a, I don't know, I think 10, 12 different college teams you get a pick from. The only West Coast one was USC. Then there's a couple, Texas, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Clemson, um, LSU. So like, yeah, I'll go USC. And you're in the first round of the football playoffs, so the semifinals. And then if you win that, then obviously you go to the finals. and then. combine draft and then you go from there and of course they have you pick your favorite team before you start so surprise surprise, so surprise surprise in the first round guess where you go so i was the uh 29th (laughs) pick for the oakland raiders and uh i just finished preseason before i went and got my hair cut and um i beat out a car for the starting position Oh, quarterback. I always like being running back. That was always my favorite. I, don't, um, I, I can't remember if you were able to pick a position or they just – oh, no, because I did the – there's different ones, and I did um, the quarterback one of, okay. of different modes that you can do. Okay. So, and and it's, it's actually a pretty interesting concept on it where, like I said, you start out and you make it to the college football playoffs. Well – leading up to um like oh hey you're going to you sign your letter of intent to you when you pick your college team they have the hats lined out you pick the hat then um the next year or coming into that year you meet with the coach and say hey um so and so five-star recruit you know number one in the nation is a quarterback as well and he picked to go to the same college as you so it's like, what the hell, really, coach? You know, you got me. He's like, this is, we can't pass. We can't say no to him. Um, and, and it was a, a quote-unquote surprise. So fast forward to this game. All of a sudden, something happens to him. You're now the starting quarterback. And then it kind of goes, progresses from there. So it's kind of so, like when the Madden used to do that thing where you would get to relive special plays and you had to recreate them. So they're setting you up yeah. to basically be the hero. Okay. So we may have to. I might have to pick that up and start playing. I haven't played. I haven't turned my PS4 on so long. I'm gonna turn it on like tomorrow (laughs) morning and let it update to to just update. Last time it took five days. It took five days last time. Yep, it's probably gonna be about be about the same. Turn turn it on now. You might be able to play Fourth of July. Exactly. But since you're talking about the Raiders, let's let's lighten the mood a little bit after this gaming talk. Uh, Tim sent me this. He goes, hey, if we're a little light on the show, we can talk about this. Um, I have the actual number because I wrote down because the wife asked me. I told her, I go, Tim just sent me this thing. And she goes, how many? And I told her, and she goes, do they have enough employees for that? So 
Allegiant Stadium, which is Raiders' new stadium in Las Vegas, they did a flush test, which is very common. Restaurants, everybody do it. They flush everything at once to make sure they have enough water pressure. And they have 1,430 toilets slash urinals and 259 bathrooms they flush all that in. That's a crazy number of bathrooms. And the other thing that I was actually reading the article more so, they had every single sink turned on as well. So it's not just flushing, you know, one big water, uh, you know, at, at once, but mm-hmm. they also had the sinks going. So that way, in case it's, you know, halftime and everyone's, you know, going to the bathroom before they leave the stadium because the Raiders aren't doing so well. Um, and I can say that because I'm a Raiders fan. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's not going to back anything up. And I guess they had. Uh, like you said, it's it's really common, and I can't remember one show on Netflix. I think it was a Build It Bigger, whether it's on Netflix or History Channel, that it was. I can't remember. I think it was Enron Park, which that's a flashback um, <laughs> when, when they were building that, and they did the exact same thing. And like you said, to get those many workers, I think on that one, what they did is they put a call out to local residents. If you're fans of the team, hey, we need you to come here. And you could be a part of the flush test. And we're going to have, you know, it's all two-way radios. And there'll be one radio in each bathroom. And three, two, one, everyone flush at the same time. And it's cool because they'll have the maintenance guys down at the bottom where, you know, all the sewers run through. And they have this equipment hooked up making sure they could see what's going on, get all the numbers. And then, you know, obviously it goes into the, uh, you know, municipality and and goes uh gets taken care of from there but i saw that i'm like oh well they still do i mean you have to do it because you don't want um anything to happen even with three quarters of the toilets all flush at once and right. now you got i mean if it doesn't go down it's coming back up so, so I, th- I thought that was really really funny that was a funny one i wanted to deal with and then uh so now we've gotten a lot of the the some of the bad some of the good we have some TV stuff. We're going to finish with Disney Talk again because Tim and I know Disney pretty well now. So um, let's first, let's start, we'll start with something that we both watched. So how much of Mr. Iglesias did you get to watch? I have watched one episode. Okay, so I think I'm three or four episodes in. It's phenomenal yet again. It's been renewed for a part three, which is the Netflix version of a third season. Um, what I loved about this season so far, this doesn't spoil anything, so don't worry, but you know how some episodes, like of a show, when you're watching it, when it goes to commercial break, it'll kind of leave you on a cliffhanger, or it kind of blends into the next scene. Well, they do that with the episode. So the episode ends, and while it could be like a day or two or a week later on the next episode, it still rolls so smoothly into it. it I was shocked how smooth it rolled into episode two. Like, I was like, oh, wow, it's episode two already? I was like, that, that flowed so well. It, it, was, it was phenomenal. I loved it. Um, I love the comedy in it. I love how he makes fun of himself and he makes fun of his friends. Um, reportedly, they're going to have a lot more special guests this year. Like, uh, I believe Joe Coy is going to be on it. So there's going to be a lot more famous people coming on to it because it's so great. Um, and like I've said, I've talked about it before. The reason why I loved it so much was the, is the fact that it, he basically did this because of a teacher who was the only person who believed in him, who he took to the premiere when it printed in the theater uh, season one. So, like, that teacher told him, like, you can do anything you want to do. You know what I mean? So, 
I really, really, really enjoyed it, and you know, I'm looking forward to the next season. So, Tim, so how do you feel about the uh, season so far? Um, with the first episode that I watched, I really enjoyed it. Um, and especially with it being something that wasn't filmed, you know, years ago, uh, they can do relevant issues. Um, especially I saw that in the first show uh, or first, yeah, first episode. Um, and like you said, it, it's it's funny. I mean, it's Gabriel Iglesias. It's, it's fluffy. He could be serious, but still use that little bit of comedic uh, relief in there. And it doesn't take away from the issue at all. It kind of lightens the issue, but it's still something, um, you know, that that you think about. And especially in the first episode, I really liked how they went about that whole, I'm not going to spoil it, um, that particular issue uh, or particular topic um, that they went about. And it's not like, oh, the first, uh, they bring it up in the first part of the episode and then bring it all together in the middle and the, I mean, uh, bring it all together at the end. And the middle is just fluff where you throw in all the laughs. I mean, they hit on it all the way throughout. And actually, on that one, there was a couple different uh, issues in there, but there was the one overlining issue. Right. Um, and at the end, obviously, they do bring it full circle on it. Um, but right when, you know, w- with his little a- and his comedic relief, it, like I said, it doesn't completely take away from the issue where it's like, oh, is he going to go into a deep dive right now? Or is that character going to go into a deep dive and really get on their soapbox where they hit it enough and then he responds to it and then maybe a little parting comedic relief um, on it to lighten the mood to transition into the next scene. So I really enjoyed it. I've liked the the first episode is great. I think I watched that in maybe a weekend or less than a week. Um, and the first work- season. Yeah. 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 Um, and working, I rarely watch anything um, as far as Netflix uh, during the week. It's usually just some shows that me and the wife watch on TV. So, mm-hmm. no, I, I really liked it. I like Gabriel Iglesias and especially the topics that um, that he covers and that he can cover with him being from, um, you know, Latino background. So um, since we're talking about what you've been watching, um do you uh what so so you watched two things that I have not watched yet. You watched um F is for Family and the 30 for 30 documentary about uh the home run uh I want to say derby but the home run competition between race. uh the home run race. There you go. Uh between uh Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa. So how what so let's start with Evans for family. I've been wanting to watch it so much, but I haven't gotten to it yet. So how how do how how was that first of all? Well, uh, since you do have a family, and this is called F is for family. Um, don't watch it with the family. Um, is number <laughs> one. Uh, main character voiced by Bill Burr. Um, if you are into his comedy and know his comedy, it's exactly the same um in animation form i like it because it's it's funny so i mean and, and it's it's a family um you know i'd probably say you know maybe lower middle class um family it's all uh, animated 
but it's just there's cussing in it. And it's some of the things that you want to say, but you can't say um, or not or necessarily shouldn't say. But they say it, whether it's to the wife or to the kids or to the neighbors. Um, you know, it's one of those things where you go to a party and the cool neighbors there, but then, you know, the other not so cool neighbors there, you put up with them and then you come home and you complain about the not so cool neighbor or in this, he'll say it right to his face, um, you know, uh, w- with some choice words. So I really like it. You know, like I said, it's one of those things where everyone's thinking of saying it, but he says it, whether, like I said, whether it's straight to the wife or to the kids, he doesn't care who's around. Um so it's it's one and once it came out, I was done with it. It's ten episodes, half hour long, so total of five hours. Uh, I was done with it Sunday night. So that's how much I like it. That was quick, yeah. So and I, <laughs> I I do like Bill Burr's comedy. I've seen him live in San Francisco, so he's a really really good oh, nice. comic, really funny, and he actually yep. has great openers. So he he takes care of people, and um, so I really like him. And I actually just saw him on uh, Joe Rogan where uh, they were smoking cigars and Joe Rogan wanted to ask him about political stuff. He's like, really, Joe, you're going to sit here smoking cigars, drinking whiskey with the American flag behind you. You want me to talk politics? And, you know, just that's kind of cool. So I like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to try and watch that. I don't know if the, the wife will like it. So I'll have to watch one episode with her. Um, <laughs> and then I know ESPN has been on a roll with great content, especially with nothing being really no sports. Um, so how was the 30 for 34 on that? I remember watching Mark McGuire break the home run record, and I'll never forget it because when I was watching it, it it, it, it basically it um, took over all the stations. It was on every channel, and it wasn't even – it was a line shot over the left field wall. I'll never forget that because I believe it wasn't in a, a worker got the ball because it, it went under the bleachers. Yep. Yeah. And I could, I'll never forget that ever. And I'll never forget the ordeal afterwards. I'll never forget the Sammy Sosa stuff, you know, later in their careers, you know, Maguire went out more gracefully than Sosa did. And, you know, it all started, you know, if it wasn't for this home run race, th- no one would know their names at all, except for you would know Mark Maguire because you're an A's fan and, you know, being an A's fan, you're an exception. But so, so how did you like that 30 for 30 and how ESPN presented it? No, I like it. They do great on those 30 for 30s. I mean, I, I haven't watched every single 30 for 30, but I know if one that comes on that, you know, I may be particular to, I'll definitely watch it. And this is the first one that I've actually watched um, live. Uh, normally, I record them. That way I can fast forward through the commercials. You watch mm-hmm. it a couple of days later, or if it comes out Sunday night, I'll watch it the, the following weekend. Um, so that way they still get their ratings on it for me. Um, recording it and, and watching it. Right. So, right. Um, Which, but for, this those one, that, for those of you that don't know, if you want, if you want your show to stay on the air, let it play live or you need to watch it. I think it's like three days. You need to watch it. So make sure like you do Tim does, you just let it play because you still get counted when you do that and you can just watch it later. And for the Hulu fans out there, I have discovered a loophole that apparently sometimes when you let a show play on accident, there is less commercials the second time around for some reason because they're like, why is this person watching it again? So there's a little tip. So back to the 30 for 30. Um, yeah. So, and like I said, I, I enjoyed it and it was crazy. I mean, this was summer of 98. Uh, so I was 13 years old 
um, and loved baseball. I mean, grew up baseball fans. My uncle played semi-pro ball, and you know, all all of that, and varsity. And your baseball. brother, and your brother. Well, this this has been oh before before, before. Only, yeah he before. was only ten at this time. Um, so we you know family family history with that, and then both of our dads played softball together, which what you do and. High school, you go from overhand, then I mean, you don't go anywhere. You switch to underhand. I mean, even me and you played together um, yeah. softball, so it was. Yeah. It, you know, we we keep that up. Um, but no, I loved it, and this was coming off of the strike. Uh, I think it was 90, 95, 94, 95 was the strike, so no World Series. Um, so a couple years later, you got these two guys coming in. Um, nobody was really Sosa didn't really become anything until uh, June when he hit 20 home runs. And I think that's still a major league record for most home runs in a month. And you got to think, I mean, if it's 31 days in a month, they may get three or four days off. So right, right there you're at, you know, what's that 28 and he hit 20 home runs. So, I mean, that's almost one a game. Uh, so that's a, a pretty big feat to accomplish there. But what I forgot is the year before, McGuire hit 58 homers. He was three shy of the record the year before. So coming yeah. in, so coming into this year, um, or the, the 98 year, he was all the talks. Like, oh, man, he was so close last year. If he could do that again this year, it gets off to any type of hot start or whatever it is, he could have a shot at it. Um, and he came over... Uh, from the A's to St. Louis, and Tony LaRusso was there, and he was there with the A's as well, and they won the lost in the 88 World Series. We won't mention any names there. Um, yeah, <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> came, came back and uh, swept the San Francisco Giants in 89. We're not blaming an earthquake or anything. You, you couldn't, even, <laughs> couldn't even hold a league for uh, – Giants couldn't even hold a lead for one inning in that game. So that's a little fun fact there. The A's uh, held the lead uh, – tied or held the lead every single inning of that of that World Series. Anyways, and then in 1990, they lost to uh, the Reds. So – you know, he was coming off of off of that, and it was always Bash Brothers, McGuire, Canseco. Um, comes over to St. Louis on the last year of his contract, and everyone was thinking, why Why is this Southern California boy who wants to play for the Angels, has expressed, you know, that he wants to play for the Angels, is going to St. Louis for one year? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously he, you know, we, we know the rest is history from there. Um, so it's interesting seeing that background of it, um, and then going through the whole. It was two hours, two hours long. Yeah, two hours long, I believe. Um, <clears throat> and it went through, started out in the beginning, and you know, obviously, we all know how it ended. But and then you have Sammy Sosa, Dominican guy that came over, and he had some pop in his bat. But he, like I said, nobody was even counting him in at all until the end of June. And he's like, oh, man, this Sammy Sosa is like one home run behind McGuire or is right there with McGuire. And he just and hit 20 home, 20 home runs he, in a month. Yep. And you were right. He has the record for most home runs in a month. And that, that June, it was 20 home runs. Next closest is 18. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's two more. I mean. One okay, two home runs. That's you know now you're getting, you know you're you're getting some distance there. 
So especially, especially considering how rare multi home run games really are, people don't realize that. You know, yep. multi home run games are fairly rare, and you know, aside from what was it, I think two seasons ago when the Dodgers were robbed by the uh, Houston Astros. Um, well, when the Dodgers were on that home run tear, I think they had like something crazy, like 25 walk-offs. I think that's the only time I've seen multi-home run games by multiple people in a long, long time. But the ball was juiced, so I'm not going to, you know, it, it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, you still got to put the bat on the ball, but no, exactly. And and especially coming off the, the strike, you know, there was nobody in the stands after it. So you this know yeah, the yeah. Stands. I do remember that because I remember when it was they, they were doing like the ESPN watch when they were like they were both at like 40 home runs that you would see him hit it over the field, the fence in Wrigley, and there wouldn't be that many people there. And you were kind of shocked because you're like, you know what? Wrigley's like a tourist attraction itself. You know, this was even before they had the seats on the building across the street. So in order to get in and sit on on that wall of Ivy, it was like a, a rite of passage. I would think if you visited that town and it was fairly empty. And I remember when he, when Maguire did break the record, I'll never forget watching it and seeing it barely go over. And wasn't Roger Maris's family there? I believe they were there. And I remember him walking over and thanking them. And I was like, man, this is why I love baseball is, you know, cause they're, they're keeping the people in it, you know, similar to like Jackie Robinson day when they would bring Jackie Robinson's wife, to yep. celebrate with the Dodgers because they're like, you know, you're still a part of this family. Even though if you look in the history books, uh, Dodgers did Jackie Robinson super dirty um, in the end. They didn't really dirty in the end. Uh, but, you know, MLB had that tradition of just being like, you know, family. And I, I can remember distinctly that home run, him rounding around, everyone freaking out. Um, I got chills. I'm getting chills again thinking about it. How I was just a kid, you know, I'm 13 going like, oh, my God, I'm watching history right now. This is the coolest thing ever. No, exactly. And, the, you know, when Maris did it, and I didn't know this either, that when Maris did it, uh, obviously he's New York Yankee, broke Babe Ruth's record, another New York Yankee, the, the Babe. Um, but Babe Ruth did it in a, I want to say it was like 132-game season. Mm-hmm. Uh, or 150, something like that. So the first year they expanded it to the current 162 season was when Roger Maris broke the record. So everyone was mad at him because, you know, he was a new, not because he was a New York Yankee, but he was going after the Babe's record. I mean, nobody yeah. goes after the Babe's record, and especially being on the same team as him. And I remember people like, um, I remember that was a big reason why they said they were bringing his family to the game was because he never got to enjoy it because he was the bad guy that ruined the great Bambino's record. They were like, you destroyed his legacy. And, and wasn't it too, like he, like the next closest person was like 20 or 30 home runs away from him. Like it wasn't close. Was it for Maris's for Maris? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, exactly. He just went on, on a tear and I think he became hot. I mean, uh, I, I don't know, but I think he became hot later in the season um, okay. and just on a tear. And remember, he's playing next to Mickey Mantle out there, too. Yeah. So yep. this when he hit 61 home runs, that's what put him on the map and got him known because he was nobody on that Yankees team uh, because there, you know, there was Mickey Mantle out there. And I'm sure there was other, you know, Yogi Berra, and I'm not good with my Yankees history, but um 
you know, and, and and that was the other thing too is everyone was going interviews for Mickey Mantle and not Roger Maris. He's like, dude, I'm I'm on pace to, you know, break the babe's record, but everyone <laughs> wants Mickey. But no, I exactly. but back to McGuire. I do remember that. I distinctly remember exactly where I was at. Me and my brother were watching it when he hit that line drive. We were, you know, hooping and hollering, stay up, stay up. Granted, it take, you know, 1.2 seconds to get out. And yeah. one, it didn't, you know, because I remember the camera angle. They panned over and you really couldn't see the ball go over, but you could see yep. the outfielder not playing the ricochet off of the wall. So that way you knew it was a fair ball. It was over. And um, it, was, it was fast. I remember distinctly how fast it was because the camera barely tracked it. So that by the time yep. the camera got to it, the ball had already gone over the fence. Yep. And I believe it's, one of the cameras did get it, but I, I distinctly remember that. Yeah, they had to go. Then they finally showed the replay of it going over. Well, by that time, he was already rounded, you know, second or third. Um, yep. Obviously, he, he missed first base. We all know that. I went back and touched it. But, I mean, when you just broke a prestigious major league record, um, you have a, a, a lot of juice going through you. But like you said, touches home plate, picks up his son, um, and then goes over. The Maris family was there um, and shares a, a nice moment with them, um, you know, says, basically, you know, thanking them. I, I almost want to say I think they may even had like a little prayer together um, just because, you know, obviously Roger wasn't there. He was looking down but wasn't there. Um, and he hit it in St. Louis, and they were playing the Cubs. So Sammy Sosa, right field. That's right. He came. I remember yeah. he came out. That's right. So it was like you couldn't have scripted it any better as far as hitting not not the uh, not the home run to tie, but the home run to break the record. You know, you're not you know shoulder shoulder with them now. You're above Maris, and the guy that you're um, in this race with that's the team that you're playing and you know sammy came down and, and thanked them um and it could have been hey he broke the record first but sammy may have ultimately held the record at the end of the season at that point in time you, you never know what was going to happen um but then at the end also you know sosa got 66 mcguire got 70 and it was funny like going into the last two games he was McGuire was beat. I mean, they were saying that on the last game, he didn't even want to play. Um, and so Sosa hit 66. And then it, it was funny through this whole run. Sosa did not have the outright lead at the end of the day in home runs at no point in the race. He may right. have pulled ahead of them because they had an afternoon game. Um, and then St. Louis had an evening game and McGuire would have hit a home run to tie him. But at the end of the day, Sammy Sosa did not at one point in time in 98 have the outright home run lead, which I thought was very interesting. They were tied 12 times, but. I I do feel like that season I remember, too, because I remember remember when we went um, to we went to one of the A's games of a bobblehead. We went the season where Jim Tomei was going for the the hits for 3000 hits. Remember that? I think it was 3000 hits. And I felt like when we were watching, I remember we were watching it, and I'm like, they're just lobbing these balls up there so they can just get this over with, so they get the fanfare <laughs> over with. And I, yep. it was weird because when we, when, when you watched um, the home run uh, chase, then having watched Barry Bonds go for it that his season, he broke the record. Mm-hmm. Um, it felt like 
people were like, no, they're not going to get it off me. Like, I'm going to pitch them hard. I'm going to pitch them dirty. Whereas with Sam, with the, um, but Barry Bonds in the end, they were lobbing. Like, some of those last ones, he crushed so far into the water. It was insane. So, I'm glad you liked it. I, I haven't watched a real 30 for 30 ever because sometimes I just don't like the deal with it. But, um, yeah. I'm glad you liked it. It's 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 they they do have good content, and the people usually take like the thing for me is is when you watch something like that, it's going to be biased because they bring people that they're friends and family with. So it's not one of those things where you're like, hey, uh, it's it's going to be unbiased. I like it being biased in that case because you know you're, you're getting the best content. So um, next thing we have. Well, let, uh, let me just touch really quick before I move on, because I'm sure everyone's asking, did they deal with the steroid issue or anything with that? Because oh, yeah. I didn't think about that, did they? That, um, that became later on, and especially when, um, you know, Barry Bonds was going for it, a lot of that was was coming out, um, and then with Balco and, and everything, and we all know what happens there. Um, right. Just w- with everything in, in general – um, they did touch on it a little bit. I really liked how they did it throughout the whole. Um, yeah, it was two hours. So for an hour and 45 minutes was very little mentioned, if anything at all. Then towards the end, um, you know, they brought it up because something like this, you have to. Um, mm-hmm. But they did it very gracefully. Um, and Mag- obviously they were interviewing McGuire and Sosa and, present day um mcguire expanded on on it which he has in the past um sosa kind of didn't necessarily blow it off but you know like what he said you know everyone was doing it he never said i specifically was doing it he kind of skated around the question very well um and one of his comments was like there's four or five guys in the hall of fame that did it so he kind of just shrugged your shoulders like, you know, what what else do you want me to say on it? Kind of, right. I've touched, I, you know, I touched on the, the question. Let's move on. Let's not beat it to death because I'm not saying, yes, I did it. Or you're not going to get the answer that you're looking for, Mr. Director. Um, right. Where McGuire came out and said, yeah, I did it. Um, it wasn't illegal. There was other people that were doing. There was some stuff that was illegal um, and that was tested for. There was other stuff that um, wasn't tested for uh, and that would help would help him out. And especially with him, it was more so for the recovery aspect from an injury. Um, Obviously, obviously, that was early on in the uh, in the steroid era where later on it was, oh, hey, if I get on this program, you know, bigger, stronger, faster. Or in the beginning, it was, oh, I can't use this but I could use something else. And instead of taking two weeks off from an injury, you know, it may be five, seven days. So I could get out there sooner um, and recovery time is going to be quicker with it. So they did touch on it um, a little bit. They did show probably a minute and a half segment of uh, three years later, obviously Barry Bonds broke the record hitting 73. Um, they showed a little snippet of that, and that's kind of how they um, transitioned into the uh, the steroid talk. Um, but McGuire gave a, a really good answer, and like I said, it's nothing 
that he hasn't said before. He said, if I was to do it all over again, um, would I do it? He's like, it all depends if that wasn't, if, if it was legal or not. He's like, now this day and age, obviously I can't do it. Um, and and nobody should do it, uh, because now we're learning with the effects of some of them that, um, that, that we're, we're dealing with. And, probably McGuire, Bonds, any of those guys in that steroid era that did anything good and especially have gotten caught um, or on any list, uh, they're, they're not going to make it into the, into the Hall of Fame, in my opinion, because if you do that, then, you know, if Pete Rose isn't in for betting on the game, then none of these guys, and really it wasn't illegal what Pete Rose, anyways, don't even start with that. But um, no, it was really good. I enjoyed it. It took me back to a 13 year old kid watching it. Um, and the little quick fun fact on it, the kid that, um, that did get that, uh, would have been the 62nd ball. He was a grounds crew. I guess him and his brother were running after it. And, uh, so I think he was on David Letterman. He asked him, he was like, so how'd you beat your brother? He's like, well, my brother wasn't as fast and was carrying a little bit more weight. He, he, he was chubbier. He's like, so I just beat him to it. And it was funny. <laughs> He picked it up, put it in his pocket because, like he said, it went underneath the bleachers. Picked it up, put it in his pocket because they knew a whole bunch of these um, like confetti cannons were going to go off and people throwing stuff on the field. It's like so we were prepared for it to go out there and clean it up because we still had a game to play. So, so basically, when, they were making sure they had control of it and then go back out there. Yeah. So when McGuire's picking up his touch and home plate and picking up his son in the background, you can see the grounds crew coming out of center field. And so uh, I think it was still on that David Letterman interview. He's like, so you were saying you were picking up confetti on the field with Mark McGuire's 60 second home run ball in your pocket. And he said, yes, I was. And then obviously at the end, he gave it back to him. Um, you know, I'm sure they, he didn't pay for it or anything. Right. And then, so, and then last little fun fact on that, that home run ball collector bought it for 2.7 million after all said and done it was like 3 million after you know commission fees and taxes um i think it was before bonds broke his record because then that uh, value of that ball would have gone down right <laughs> and they and in an article they had a collector that said what is it like uh, how much is it worth right now present day and they got two different uh guys to talk about it and they said anywhere from a hundred thousand to you know four hundred thousand is how much it was is worth right now. Where the guy that bought it paid basically two million. But well, you think he, about he got to waste that money for a little bit, I guess. Exactly. But if Bonds didn't um, do what he did three years later, I mean he would McGuire would still have the record, and and who knows right. now with all the changes and everything, how long. Um, it would last. So it was, it was good. I like it. It took me back. Um, I, I enjoyed it. So we'll see what the next, what the next one is coming out for the 30 for 30 or, or anything like that. Yeah, for sure. And if you guys want us to cover any other sports stuff, we don't normally do that, but I thought the 30 for 30 was kind of cool because we don't have any sports at all. So it's kind of, um, one of those things where you want to, you want to talk about it. You want to, you want to, basically 
be as informed and now we know we can watch it and get some more info out of it um so let us know go to our social media facebook.com slash fomocast twitter fomo underscore cast and fomo podcast on instagram um we got three more things basically two quick ones and then the big one um so netflix uh released the cursed trailer now it debuts july 17th um so I didn't know a little tidbit about that. Did you watch the trailer after I sent it to you? The thing. Yeah, I did watch it. It was very. Oh. I I hadn't heard of it before. It was very interesting. So the main person in it is Catherine Langford. What people would know her from Thirteen Reasons Why. Um, she is the the young girl who commits suicide, and she plays a character in this, which is just kind of cool. That's what I like. Um. So, oh, she's in Knives Out, too. I didn't know that. So, let's see where it's at. If it shows it. See, that's what I hate, is they don't they don't have the newest stuff on here, which makes me mad. And it's on Upcoming. Okay, so on Curse, she plays a character named, it, it says Nimu. Well, if you search that, Nimu, it basically, she's the lady in the lake. So she is a medieval character, the lady in the lake. And this is like, she's a supernatural, she's a, she's a teenage sorceress. And she encounters a young Arthur on his quest for a find a powerful and ancient sword. So in the previews, she's wielding a sword, which we're, I'm going to assume is Excalibur. Um, and so she is some sort of sorceress. It looks fantastic. I'm excited. It says on IMDb, it says full season one is available July 31st. So I don't know if it's says July 31st. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe they were wrong on the little ad I saw the YouTube video, but it says July 31st on here. Still looks like it's going to be amazing. Um, and then on top of that, Tim caught up on the Disney asks. Oh no, no the uh, the Disney Gallery Star Wars Mandalorian. So has it continued on pretty well? You've liked it still, the Mandalorian. Yeah. No. Yeah, no, I like it, and they're touching on different um, kind of uh, different movie aspects that they've done that they've done on the Mandalorian. Um, one of them is like the last one, I believe, is like the music, the scoring um, aspect of it, and that is really interesting. Um, obviously, you know, you have the classic John Williams who did all the Star Wars, um, and I think he concluded with. Uh, the Rise of Skywalker. I think he said that was going to be his last one, as far as mo- movie features. No, correct. Um, uh, no more movie features for him. Yes. Yeah. So, um, so you know, you have that aspect of it, but like uh, John Favreau said, you know, we want to take that, but we don't want to um, completely copy it because then it's like, okay, well, you're not even doing your own thing on it. Um, they right. took it and put their their spin on it. Um, and it was it was it was great. And like I was telling you before, they have all the different um, directors on it. Uh, and then they even have like Kathleen Kennedy, who's, uh, I believe, the president or, uh, you know, of Lucasfilm. I can't remember what she's high up, you know, in, in yeah, Lucasfilm. And she needs to leave. We don't want Kathleen Kennedy in charge anymore. <laughs> well, I'm glad. And I, we, me and Tim did talk about this beforehand, uh, how we do feel like I feel like they're setting this up for all the new Star Star Wars original concept uh, uh, stuff coming out. 
that they're probably, you know, with the Cassie Andor series, with the Obi-Wan series, they're probably going to do that, especially after Ewan McGregor said they're going to use the same technology they used in Mandalorian on the Obi-Wan show. So I'm excited. And someone just shared with me um, with the Clone Wars, the new season. Oh, I can't tell you. Ooh, there's a spinoff coming potentially. So I'm excited for that too. Um, But with the nitty gritty with Disney, Tim and I, we've been going back and forth about what we think is going to happen with the reopening. So we're going to finish off with um, some ideas we think is going to happen. We just got, I just saw a screenshot that was sent to an AP holder that basically said, Hey, look, things are going to be different when we come back. We know that we know things are going to be limited, but the way they worded how, um, what was it, Tim, that they basically, they're going to, they're going to, they put a pause on passes right now where you can't buy renew or um, what was the other word? There was some, another word. It was you couldn't buy, renew, and something else. And what was concerning to me was it almost upgrade. feels like was upgrade. So I I had a feeling like I was telling Tim I was like I think they're not going to let people who have passes go when they first open. They're going to block out passes to make it to where it's all these other people because I have a feeling. They they know that people who have annual passes are going to be their go-to. They're going to come back. They're going to take care of them. It's the people who come out for trips. But I'm like, who is coming out? Who's flying out on a trip when you the requirements? Some people can't take. You know, I literally saw things on the airlines, like in the 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 frequently asked questions, that said, "Well, what if I have asthma and can't wear a mask?" And they go, "Well, then maybe you should pick a different time to fly." Like, they're legit not going to budge on the mask. So, I think that they're going to lose some attendance, but I think they'll still do good because people are antsy. But do you think they're going to black out people? Because they, they just announced today they're canceling all of Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween for Disney World. Officially has been canceled completely. So, they're taking big measures ahead of time. So, what do you, what do you think they're going to do? I think um, with, the, with the AP holders, especially, like you said, with them putting um, a temporary pause on purchase renewals and upgrades on that, I mean, that's that's their bread and butter. Um, and especially if they're going to, ex- however long Disney was shut down for, they're going to extend the passes if you choose that option. Um, and I'm sure... All of this, I mean, everything's subject to change because nobody knows what's going to happen. I was listening to a podcast actually this morning on it, and they brought up, well, technically Disneyland still has a month to open, um, and Disney World has three weeks to open because they're only opening up a week before then. Well, what happens if there is a big second wave that comes and Disneyland hasn't opened yet? Are they going to be like, whoa, put the brakes on? Um, we were going to open this day, but now we're going back to square one like we were when we first shut down and going to play it by ear. Um, but I think with the pass holders, uh, you know, they have a an annual pass for a reason because they like to go a lot. And right. the, prim- and the primary, um, you know, attendee at Disneyland is, you know, a California resident, primarily Southern California, whether that's Fresno South. Bakersfield South or, you know, just the greater Los Angeles area. And like you said before, they're usually normally going to go there to watch the fireworks or maybe go for dinner, watch the fireworks and leave because they could, they which could go no fireworks, no fireworks or parades when they open. Yeah. So don't expect yeah. that. No, exactly. 
So now the annual pass holder that could go down there and, hey, let's go to downtown Disney. Let's go to Disneyland for dinner, stay for the fireworks, take off. I'm home in bed by, you know, 10, 11 o'clock on a weekday. I could get up the next day and go to work. Um, or now, not necessarily, I don't see them foreseeing them doing that. Um, I'm sure there's going to be a lot that want to go when it opens just because Disney's back open and it's kind of like it's new. But I bet you, you know, the newness will wear off or they'll go there and it's like, you know what? I don't like this. I got to wear a mask. I got to, you know, social distance. There's not that many people there. I'm able to get in. But the group that I go with, only, you know, 25% of us are able to get in because that's the only reservations that we're able or um, people that were able to get a reservation. Um, I think right now they're just trying to get the people that had um, vacations planned during the time that they were shut down at trying to cater them uh, to them as much as possible if they're still able to come out uh, at that time obviously a lot of uh, stuff has changed since when they initially shut down to now when they're opening um, and I'm sure there's going to be more changes between now and when they do open um, in July so now, I think now, that now, now if you if the thing happens like you said now how are they going to handle when they do the reservation system you are officially confirmed to have a reservation for July 20th and you're making your way from Oregon well then they close down I mean what are they going to do because they're going to face a lot of lawsuits something's going to happen because I mean it's nothing that that's their fault but the reservation system, which they said in Disney World will go through 2021. They already have said it will probably go through 2021. Because like you experienced with the wait for um, uh, the rise. Ride, rise, rise of the, was no, the rise of resistance. Yeah, that basically you experienced how that is. Well, just imagine if you just did that from home. People are going to love it. People are going to hate it. And the people that love it are going to keep using it over and over again as much as they can. Yeah, no, ex exactly. And I mean, these are all uncharted waters for Disneyland, especially doing the reservation system for park admittance. Um, you know, they could they could do the virtual queues for the rides all they want. We've seen how that uh, how that works. I mean, shoot, it's almost been in place for I don't know a year or so, maybe. Um, or I mean, they, they they've gotten a it's it's been really good in my opinion for that um but with this it's i think it'll work better for disney world because you have to plan your trip to there um earlier or you know it's 60 90 days out you're planning your trip you're getting your fast passes you're getting your meals if you want to get um i know we wanted to go on our honeymoon we wanted to go to um dinner at the in the beast castle i can't remember what it's called now i'm thinking of the cinderella table but that's the more expensive one um anyways i was be on guest. there be our guest there you go um because we had lunch there one day because those are the easier passes to get because right you know, everyone wants to go for dinner so i mean i was on there 90 days out and online at that time and boom got them and I went back a couple days later. Oh, let's see what else is, you know, maybe we'll go there two times. And there was maybe one slot open, like a 315, a, a random time. So, um, you know, those 
those popular ones fill up quick, and they all and they've always have. Um, so well, I think and, every- well, and there and there's going to be no fast passes. Fast passes are done for the foreseeable future. Yeah, but I mean, but but with Disney World, everyone's so used to planning it, you know, three, four, six months ahead of time. Or Disneyland, you know, not necessarily as much. I mean, probably more so for the out of out of towners, but their bread and butter is the annual pass holders that go down there on a whim and hey, uh, looks like the parks aren't that busy today. Let's go. Um, it's it's gonna it's gonna change. It's, it's gonna be difficult. Um, so Connor from ConCon's Cantina, he has a um, Florida pass. He lives in Florida. He lives real close to the parks. And he flat out said, he's like, what's the point of me keeping my pass when I, I'm a weekday pass holder? He's like, it's, so they have a pass similar to the Southern California pass where you're a Florida resident. You can go during the week. And that's where they would go, you know, go Wednesday night, like you said, yeah. watch the fireworks, have dinner. What's the point when you're going to be blocked out worse than you're already blocked out? So I know a lot of people are going to give up their passes. Um, when we had our passes, it was fun. And I will say, so for those people that do live in the area close by these parks, you know you don't have to go out and do everything. When we used to go once a month, like we would sit on Main Street sometimes for a couple hours just watching people walk by because you've done so much of the park already. You're just kind of enjoying everything, taking it in. And, you know, um, you know, fingers crossed that we don't have a flare-up and things start to settle down. But like you said, things can go sideways. We could have another flare-up and Disney will have to respond accordingly. But I do think that... Um, we're at a point now where they're trying to do entertainment-wise stuff, um, and Disney is going to have the market because I know Universal Studios is open in Florida, and I heard it's been a mess. They're just not social; they're just it's it's a crazy. But uh, I'm optimistic. I look forward to going back to Disney, taking the kid when he can actually remember a little bit more of it because he wasn't even one when we took him the first time. He had fun and he had big smile on his face when he saw Mickey, except for the creepy Mickey was playing on the TV. I had never been actually through Mickey's house to go visit him, and he was he was really creepy on the inside there. Um, but um, you know, we'll see what happens. We'll report more when we come back next week or the week after. They'll have more information because I know. Right after the 4th of July is when everything's going to start rolling really hard. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you go everywhere. Spotify, too. Make sure you listen there. Um, And make sure to like, subscribe, do everything on Facebook.com slash FOMOcast, Twitter, FOMO underscore cast, and FOMO podcast on Instagram. And uh, I'll be doing some unboxing videos hopefully soon on the YouTube for um, some Battle Box and some Tack Pack. I got my Tack Pack today, but it it was didn't want to open it. Um, on camera because I haven't have the setup right yet, so I'm working on that. But next month for sure. Um, so for the FOMO cast, I'm Chris. I'm Tim, and we will see you next time. Yeah.